You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Empire is brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Since 1952, Interstate Batteries has been evoking compassion and a trustworthy spirit into the surrounding communities. Interstate Batteries is a mission-driven company fueled by purpose and guided by their values. If you need help locating a specific battery, stop into your local Interstate Batteries retail store and speak with a battery specialist. They even offer cell phone repairs. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Well, hey, folks beautiful afternoon here in Michigan. I tell you what, uh, when you're listening to this, this is uh, a little bit in the past, maybe a couple weeks here, but uh, winter came all in one weekend. It uh, decided to dump, I think we're sitting at 14 inches of snow in total, and we probably have a couple coming tonight. Um, Temperatures have dipped super low, and uh, it's one of those things like everybody's hunkering in, everybody's either knows somebody or trying to find somebody with a snowplow and uh yeah we're just digging out and enjoying inside because nobody really wants to be outside as of right now uh a big coyote uh tournament got canceled here in michigan because of the snow and blow that was going to be happening so that was uh yeah it's pretty relevant uh this time but anyway i don't know what cold is so i'm talking with jeff benda jeff is a uh, author, he is a uh, wild game chef, and he is currently in the Dakotas. I forgot if is it the North Dakota, South Dakota, where where you're at, Jeff. Oh, no, you were just telling me temps. It's the where real Dakota. It's North Dakota. Yeah, no, I'm North right here. Dakota. I'm right. I'm right here in Fargo. Yeah. Gotcha, Fargo, the <laughs> right where the movie was uh, was made. What are your temps looking at right now? You were just telling me negative five as a real temp correct well it's mid-afternoon so it's it's the high is negative five and uh that's the real temperature and then we have the wind chills which are uh in the negative 30s so um yeah somebody actually just posted on instagram that we were a hundred and thirty degree difference between here and florida and that's just <laughs> 130 degree difference i and you have to in the same country yeah i used to live on an island off the coast of florida and i came back here and (laughs) and i I, i'm still very confused about that decision in my life but yeah yeah oh my goodness yeah so living yeah living in paradise but yet coming back to to north dakota there must be something that drew you back uh, hunting. hunting no yeah, yeah i was gonna say brought you back. yeah i was gonna go back to florida you know permanently and then i somebody took me duck hunting and a week later pheasant hunting two weeks later deer hunting and i've i've been here ever since so yeah wonderful well hey as we uh as we get started into our conversation how was your 2023 what were your uh what were your big game and your small game seasons like of the past? I know we're looking forward to the future, and I don't. For me, I've everything's kind of on pause until tips, uh, till temps come up a little bit. But uh, how was your this past year for you? 
You know, going all the way back to the spring, um, I was super excited to do spring goose. Um, I had multiple hunts set up, you know, whether it was Nebraska, South Dakota, North Dakota, they all, they all got canceled. I mean, it was just, it was just a mess, uh, of a spring. And, um, so I still have yet to do a snow goose hunt. Um, so I was kind of, I was really down on that. And then, but then for the first time, um, you know, we have paddlefish snagging out in the Western part of the state, like way out, like right on the Montana border, like Williston. And, um, and it, it starts May 1st. And I said, you know, I'm going to do it this year. And so I packed up the tent, went out there and camped. And I, and I touched base on Facebook with a couple guys, um, who were going to show me the ropes and I got my first paddlefish and it was, it was absolutely a phenomenal experience. Um, you're right on the confluence. Um, you're, uh, we're right where Lewis and Clark camped, right? We're, you're in the, you're, you're literally staring at the spot where, where, um, Sitting Bull surrendered. I mean, it's just like this magical historical place, um, and you're snagging paddlefish, and and it's uh, it, it's a pretty cool time. So I, I had a great kickoff in May, um, a good start with the summer. Early goose, uh, we're, we are able to hunt Canada geese starting August fifteenth here. Um, so you're you're out there scouting wheat stubble fields, um, and and it was that that was a really good time. I mean, we we got a lot of Canada geese around here in the eastern part of North Dakota. So got a lot of geese. We're filling up the freezer. Um, shot a lot of ducks. Shot a lot of ducks. Um, we were we were eating them fast. So and um, and then uh, went out to the Badlands and got my first deer with a bow. Um, so that was pretty exciting. I had never shot. Uh, anything with my bow before, and um, and then it was rifle season, um, and went out to Montana, and that was kind of a a crazy situation because every time I plan to go to Montana for a meat hunt, it's mule deer does, and I'm always super excited, and I've always got a couple tags, and and um, and every time I go, it, it doesn't matter when I plan the trip, the biggest first snowstorm of the year across the upper Midwest is going to hit that day. And so I told my wife, I'm like, you know, this, you know, this is when I had it scheduled. And she's, and I said, well, I've got two deer tags. I said, but I, I literally have 24 hours. I'll only have 24 hours out there, like in North central Montana. And she's like, I don't care. She's like, you talk about this all year. She's like, you can shoot two deer in a day. I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, sure. Okay. So I literally left. Um, I drove 11 hours out there from Fargo and got out there and um, slept in a rest area. Got up the next morning. And um, by 10, 15, I had two deer down. And, oh my goodness. And, and, and packed up and uh, was back on the road that afternoon because the snowstorm was starting at 5 p.m. Like, it was crazy. Like, then I drove back to North Dakota with two deer because my wife told me I had to do that. And I always I love her confidence so. in you. Right? That was <laughs> a scene out of, shoot, that's like a scene out of 300 where she's oh, like, you yeah. will come back with deer or you won't come back at all. 
Yeah. Like, come back with a full freezer or, or a full cooler or you be in the cooler, one yeah. or the other. <laughs> it was crazy. Like, I literally, I saw one doe out there. She was like 200 yards away, all by herself. I shot. She dropped. I looked through the scope again, and there was two deer standing there. And I'm like, did I miss? Wait. No, there was more. They were down in the grass, and they stood up. So I, I literally got my other one. 10 seconds after the first, um, filled my two tags on some block management out there in Montana. And, and I was done. Went out there, did some filming, did, took some photos and, um, and I was back on the road, you know, quartered them up and was back on the road. So pretty crazy. I would have loved to have some more time out there. It's beautiful country, you know? So absolutely. Yeah. But Hey, you had to get something done. You had to get two does back. That's <laughs> in right. hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and lack you know of what? sleep but yeah yeah you know what people talk about being like big buck hunters are like hardcore jeff you just took meat hunting <laughs> to the next level like listen fellas no no i have a ticking time clock i have less than a full day to do this yeah. and we'll get it done by 10 30 first deer down the next one 10 seconds after that <laughs> and then yeah you quartered them up shipped out out of there yeah and you're yeah your freezer's half full at that point that's yeah, that is nice. hardcore yeah it was pretty <laughs> nice so yep so between that and i and i was able to get um i've made a couple trips to texas um that's been a pretty great new experience for me this last year um the she hunts um skills camp um run by Brittany boddington so she takes ladies um out on a ranch in Texas, it's a 20,000 acre ranch and they're able to, some have, are, are huge avid hunters. I mean, some have, some have done safari like out in Africa and some have never picked up a gun before or a bow. And so they're learning to shoot bow. They're learning to shoot shotguns, rifles. Um, and then they're able to, to do a hunt. They can, they can kind of choose one of the exotics that are down there. Um, and they have some crazy options uh, that are down on this, on this huge ranch. But so I was invited to go down there and do a butchering class and a cooking class. Um, and I did four of them in, uh, in 2023 and the last two, one in October and one in December, they threw in a deer hunt. Um, so the, the one in October, I was able to shoot a, a, a white tailed doe. And then this last one in December, they let me shoot a, a management buck. Um, and I haven't shot a white tailed buck in years. So that, that was pretty cool. That was pretty yeah. cool. So, uh, yeah. So five, I think I got five deer this year. Well, look so, at you. Yeah. So freezers full, a whole bunch yeah. of ducks, whole bunch of geese. It's yeah. a, it's been a plentiful harvest for you, yeah. Jeff. I, I'm, I'm happy for you. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Quick question is I was, uh, as I was getting ready for, for this podcast, um, my wife was starting dinner. This was her night. She happened to be, uh, up in there. So she was starting, uh, chili. We're doing just, uh, venison chili, whitetail. Uh, I made a whole bunch of burger a couple nights ago. We had a big grind night. Uh, buddy came over. And so I did 50 pounds and he did, uh, I think 30 pounds. So it was like 80 pounds through the grind, uh, that night. We had a great time doing it, kicked back a few beers, but, uh, she was, she was searing off the meat, uh, in a pan next to where she's going to be having them in the Dutch oven. She's building, building the flavors as we're going along, but she crowded the plate or the crowded the pan. 
she put two pounds in there and it was real, real balled up. And I couldn't help myself. I grabbed the spatula and I began to, to work on it and spread it around and try to thin this out. Like we want to brown it. We don't want to steam it. But as I did it, she turned and stood and just stared at me. And I realized like, I'm in the zone. Like I am, I am in someone's realm right now. And luckily I've learned to like, when I, when I get that look, I I just dropped the spatula. I just backed up and I I got out of the kitchen at that point and let her, let her do the thing. Um, But it was one of those like moments where, and we've already, uh, we've discussed this, I guess with, with my wife, like she cooks different than I do. Yes. And there's an order that I follow that she finds, it, it just doesn't make sense. But at the same time, when I watch her do things, I'm like, this, you're missing the point on, on this, this area here. You're steaming the meat. You're not browning it. But at that point, we're, we're, she's in the mix of it. I got to get out of there. How do you, as a, as a professional chef or a, a cook that travels around and shows people how to, to butcher animals and writes recipes, when you're alongside of another cook, whether it is a relative like like your wife or or a cousin or, or whatever, or if it's someone who's also culinary trained, how do you find that meeting ground? How do you cook together with someone who may not follow your same uh, philosophy? Hmm. Uh, when I'm in the kitchen cooking, my wife generally is not. Um, <laughs> she so, just vacates, <laughs> right? Um, I remember when I went to. Uh, I, I think that I think that just helps the, you know, after 14, 14 plus years of marriage, um, she's basically stopped cooking. Um, she's the baker. Like I can't get Toll House chocolate chip cookies right, um, but she's she she she's magic when it comes to that. Um, so we don't have that same situation in our house, uh, and it's funny because like when I went, I remember when I was out in Montana and I um, with a client. And, uh, I was, you know, I, people hire me as their camp cook and their photographer and then their butcher if they get something. And I was out there and I was on my way back and I called and talked. Um, my daughter got on the phone and she's eight. And I said, hey, how's, what'd you guys have for supper? And she goes, dad, it was so bad. <laughs> and, and my wife is, I'm on speakerphone and, and she goes, and my wife was so mad at her because she spit it out back in the bowl. She made some soup. And I was like, it couldn't have been that bad. And 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 my wife was like, it was not that bad. And Lucia, our daughter, she goes, Dad, it was bad. And so I got home. I got home and my wife had, had saved some of it for me. Um, I got back really late that night. And the next morning... Um, it was, I was, I was like, okay, well, she's like, well, let's just have the leftover soup for lunch. So she comes home. She, by the time she got home from, for lunch to have lunch with me, um, she's like, where's the soup? And I was like, oh, it's gone. She's like, you ate it? I go, no, I tried it. <laughs> it's in the garbage. <laughs> it's and, gone. That's it. Um, <laughs> now End of it's not always that bad because when I was in Texas, um, when I called home and my daughter was so proud of her mom and I was like, Hey, what'd you guys have for supper tonight? She goes, dad, she made soup again. And this time it was actually pretty good. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, my wife lets me do all the cooking. Um, 
And, uh, but you know, Minnesota farm girl, I think she just, uh, she can cook. It's just sometimes, um, you know, sometimes it just doesn't go that well. Right. Um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Best now, laid plans. Yeah. Best laid right. plans. So, um, it's pretty easy for me as, especially as a dad of a daughter who loves to be in the kitchen with me. Um, I have learned, um, being in professional kitchens, uh, you just learn to work, you know, side by side with people. And, um, sometimes that goes well, sometimes that doesn't. And it depends on if you're the boss or if you're not right. Um, when I had a catering business and I would always tell, you know, the, usually it was young people, you know, kids that were working for me. And I, and I would always say, you know, um, I'm never going to yell at you. And if it, if it sounds like I'm yelling at you, I'm not, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm, um, I'm just maybe speaking to you in a tone so that I, I feel like you understand me. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, um, I, I am not going to say, I, I like things a certain way. Um, and I'm probably, that's why I do what I do. I got out of the restaurant business. Um, and now I'm a home cook, right? I develop recipes at home for whether it's for different companies who want to use the recipes on the, on their websites or different magazines, things like that. And I think that just fits me a little bit better. Although cooking with an eight-year-old um, who's been cooking with me since she was a toddler, you learn patience. Um, and I, and I appreciate that we're in a home setting, a home cooking setting, because I got all the time in the world. You know, when, when she's at home, um, that's why I love that I do this full time. When I'm doing a recipe, if I'm developing a recipe for a client, I'm doing it during the day. Um, and I shut down work when it's five o'clock. Um, and my wife is home and my daughter is home. Um, dad's not taking pictures. Um, you know, dad's not doing stuff like that. So, um, if she wants to take, if she wants to chop something with a knife, um, if she wants to stir something, whatever like that, um, I, I just, that, what, that hasn't always been the case. And I had to learn that. So Nick, it's not, you know, I'm not saying that that took years. Um, because when I was doing this part-time, they ate a lot of cold food while dad was trying to take pictures, you know, um, to try to send off to a magazine because it was supper time and, and food's getting cold because I'm trying to take shots from different angles, you know, um, and that's just not the case anymore. So, you know, I am not going to give you marriage advice on how to cook with your wife <laughs> because my wife, if she ever listens to this, uh, she's going to say, I had no place in doing that. But um, I think... Um, you, you know, I, you, especially in situations like when we were at the backcountry hunters and anglers rendezvous, you know, we're all kind of, there's a bunch of cooks in the kitchen and we're all cooking. You just kind of fall into everybody was helping everybody. It, it really is. You, you just kind of, you get in those situations like Hank Shaw was there. Um, you know, he's doing his thing. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not stepping in to tell Hank Shaw how to make soup. Right. Uh, I'm not doing that, but, uh, right. you know, Hank, what can I do for you? And, um, you know, I might help plating or something like that. Or one of the other chefs, you know, when he was, he was grilling bison steaks, um, you know, and I'm sitting there slicing, I'm asking him, it's his dish. I'm just there to help. 
Um, and so I'm asking him exactly how thin do you want it? Um, how do you want it plated and things like that? So I think you just kind of, um, I, I, I've learned after this many years, if I'm in the role of taking charge, take charge and make sure you let everybody know exactly how you want it. Um, that way the client, um, the customer, whoever it is, is happy. But I'm a very laid back cook when I'm in a family setting. Um, you know, and, and people like, it, it's weird because people invite me over for dinner and they're like, I'm so sorry this is only um, burgers, right? I'm like, what? I, I love burgers. Like, it, this does not have to be fancy. I don't want to cook fancy all the time. Um, I don't need to be the cook all the time. And so uh, when I get invited over to somebody's house or a family function, um, I love just sitting back and letting other people cook. So, yeah. And, uh, but I, it's take, I, uh, that's taken some time to learn that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, good, good. I'm glad. Yeah. I'll, I'll stick with my realm too. If there, there's a zone that, uh, I, I find myself in where I start to grab, grab things when I was, I didn't ask permission or, uh, <laughs> I'm like getting in and starting to mess with something that again, I didn't ask what was going to be happening on. Maybe that was my problem. I didn't ask any questions. I didn't ask to help. I just came in and started fiddling with things. And, right. uh, yeah, it, I, I think that's the, just the automatic husband thing that we try to fix everything. Absolutely. Um, I was just, yeah. I just wanted to spread it out a little bit, yep. but oh man, the glare that I tell yeah. you. That glare will get me to back up right now. And that has taken time. That has taken time for me to learn that you're going to get bit if uh, you keep doing what you're doing. So right. I, I at least knew enough to step back. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, kind of going off uh, off a different tangent now. Um, you had a chance. You were, you were talk, we were talking, trying to set up uh, a time to get on here. And you got uh, hired up to butcher two elk that uh buddies you had or friends of you they had or clients um to butcher out some elk and as i was kind of probing through this we're you're cutting you're cutting meat for for somebody yeah. you're they have a cut list they have something they're working th that they expect whether it's they want it all into steaks or ground or they wanted roast and whole cuts as as you're going through that process, as you're going through a cut list, I mean, mainly if they've, if they've put that together for you, it's pretty easy. You just follow that. But as you're now breaking stuff down at the table, that trans, or excuse me, breaking stuff at the, at the block, there's a translation that has to happen now to the table. There's a, a methodology to get from this whole haunch or this whole top round to now I want to serve a roast at the at the table or even I want to do steaks maybe half of that that top round when you're putting stuff into the freezer be it for a client be it for yourself what are you thinking as far as or what's your process going from the block to the freezer hoping to help yourself out at the table this is that gray area that I was thinking about as far as I'm trying to turn this animal into meals yeah. and I wanted to step into meal planning. How do I do that with a whole animal laying in front of me? Yeah. These two actually, so uh, husband and wife, they went down to, to New Mexico and they, they shot a spike 
and a cow. Um, they brought it back. They're from out, like Watford City, North Dakota, out in Western North Dakota. And they get these two elk back, and they take it over to the butcher. They they call them up, and they're like, "Yeah, we, we won't we won't take that because they're so full with deer, and they're just batching all of that together." They're like, "We are taking no elk and no moose for three months." Holy smokes! So now they're like they're frantic. They're like, "What do we do?" So they literally have to. We meet. Like in Jamestown, North Dakota, they, they call me up and they're like, could you do it? Um, and so I said, sure, you know, I'd, I'd be happy to. It's, um, so I, I met him and I, I literally get these two coolers full of boneless meat. Um, and a little bit difficult to identify some of it. Um, so I really had to, to take my time and do that. But... Um, so I got it back, but I was very, I was very, um, I, anytime I deal with a client, um, in, in that situation that you're talking about, like how, how am I going to cut it up? Um, it all depends on really like how big is their family? So like, you know, like for me, when I'm cutting up meat, I'm packaging it up for a dinner. There's only three of us. Um, and so when I'm, when I'm packaging things, I'm like, okay, how much are we going to eat for dinner? And then how much am I going to pack for my wife, Melissa, for lunch the next day? Right? And, and so am I getting like four servings out of that? Because now I'm just moving on to the next thing and the next meal. Um, and so I'm, I'm looking at four servings. So for this, for this gal who I met, or her and her husband, um, I said, you know, they, they wanted stuff for like a steak or a package of steak or a roast that's going to feed a family of six um, or even eight people. Now that's a big, you know, that I was saying that's like a whole, you know, yeah. whole top round at, at that point, a yeah. whole big roast. Yeah. So, I mean, like, am I doing, you know, am I, am I doing a pound? Like, I'm not just going to put it in, especially when packaging, am I just going to vacuum seal like one steak, like a six ounce steaks or an eight ounce steak? Um, normally people like the we're not usually doing that and so she wanted like you know I, I was able to put like two or three steaks or four steaks in one vacuum seal bag right and, and they're okay with that because um, yeah because that's what they're gonna eat and she only has to take out one package and so some of it is smaller um, but some I'm able to do that and same with roasts um, you know how, how many people do you plan to serve? And so generally I'll do like maybe some smaller roasts, maybe some bigger roasts. Um, I always, you know, when I'm labeling and dating it, I have exactly how many pounds it is, how many ounces it is. And so they know, um, you know, how, how many is this really going to feed? Um, they can kind of get an idea of that. So, you know, it's the same thing in my freezer. I do the same thing. So I might have smaller roasts or smaller packages of steak that's just going to be for the girls and I. But then I'll do bigger ones. That way I can, you know, when I go to the farm and I know I'm going to feed 12 people um, with the meat that I'm going to have, uh, you know, then I can package it as such and then I can, and then I think I can, and then I can do that. So I think it, you know, a lot of people just do like, when you go to a butcher, you're just going to get that same thing. But I think like, if you're, you know, Nick, when you, if you're like me, then, you know, you're, you're doing your own stuff, um, or maybe even just some of it. And so you can, um, you, you know, you, 
I do that just because I save on freezer bags, the vacuum seal bags. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so it just makes a little a life a little bit easier. But I'm always, um, and anytime I do it, um, it's aged, and the silver skin like. Uh, there is no trimming. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm also tenderizing those cuts with the Jacquard meat tenderizer. Um, every steak. Um, and so, and it, that is literally ready to hit the pan. Like when it thaws out, it's, it's ready for the pan or it's ready for the grill right when it comes out. There, there's no need to trim any silver skin or anything else like that off. So, yeah. Gotcha. That's your mentality is when you pull that, that package out for steak or for chuck or for or for chunks or whatever you're going to go with it you have it it's thawed it's ready to go it's yeah because i don't know yeah am i going to gift it or whatever you need on it yeah bam it's bam. well because i didn't do that in the beginning and then i would gift it to somebody and then they don't know to take the silver skin off and if that's going to be their first experience with a venison steak um so i have it all ready to go so i don't know if that you know whatever meat that i pull out of my freezer that steak, um, you know, I want it to be like ready to go, whether it's for me or for my wife. Am I, if I'm gone and she's just gonna, and she's gonna use it. Um, or if it's a friend or a family member, it's, it's just ready to go. And that's just how I package. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I've gotten into the habit of, and it, it kind of shortcuts me at the beginning when I'm at the block, I'm just taking the, a uh, seam it out, and I'll put the whole muscle group, say it be a, a top round, I will then just label that top round, that individual uh, uh, piece of muscle. Like yeah. that, That's what I cut out. I vacuum seal that, label it as top round, and it goes, goes into the uh, freezer. Um, where I haven't taken that extra forethought, like you have gone through cutting those individual steaks, is... Maybe I want to do some top round steaks, or I want to make uh, some jerky. Well, with the jerky, I would make the whole thing, and it'd be easy to to work with that. But I might cut off, you know, a number of steaks. It's just me and the boys and the wife. Like, granted, the boys are starting to eat more and more, so a small top round, we can we can polish that off as a family. But I I get a bigger one off of a big meaty dough, or I get a nice sized buck, and I've got this big piece here. It's one of those like, well, now I have this. I have to think ahead to not, not at the the processing end of it, but now I have this extra piece sitting in my fridge that I'm thinking of. Well, how do I want? Do I want to make more steak? Do I want to do a roast? Do I want to do something? So I've thought it out, and I feel like I'm now pigeonholed myself yeah. by using that whole muscle group. I didn't prepare it ahead of time. I saved time at the beginning to now have the headache at the end. Whereas I think you've taken yours and flipped that take the extra time, take the diligence, mark out what I want, prep those out, cut my steaks. Then it's just a matter of fact of pull that out of the freezer, hit the pan, and there's no headache there at that point. And, but Nick, I also do the same thing as you on some of them, remember? I mean, I got five deer in the freezer. So, um, right. <laughs> and it's a great photo. Remember, I'm doing food photography. So like, it's a great photo when you have a whole top round or you have a whole bottom round or, um, you know, especially that big piece of backstrap. Um, so yeah, so I, I'll also be in the same situation as you. So, uh, I'll have those big cuts on some of them 
and it, man, it makes it makes butchering so much easier when when you when you come back and you're like you have a and you're not cutting them up into those big pieces and I'm just paper wrapping maybe um, that big chunk um, and labeling that. That's actually pretty nice. And then it's also gives me a lot more options, right? Am I gonna make it into jerky? Um, or just put this giant steak on the grill and then slice that up super thin and serve that. Um, that looks pretty cool at Thanksgiving um, or at Easter dinner or Christmas or, or just a big gathering during the summer um, just to do this big, giant, massive steak on a grill um, you know, or roast or something like that. So um, yeah, I can be in that same situation as you. But then, um, whereas you're trying to think about what am I going to do for the next meal? Um, you know, I have these cuts. Then I'm also, before I take something out of the freezer, I'm thinking about, um, what am I going to do with this piece of meat? Um, okay. I maybe have this recipe idea for, um, a client, right? So out of this one cut, can I get something for um, this client, this client, this client? Like I could maybe get four recipes <laughs> out of this one cut, right? Um, I could do this one for my website, this one for, you know, this knife company, this one for this magazine. And, and then I literally could do um, uh, two days of cooking. And so I could have lunch, um, take the photos, right. Develop the recipe, take the photos. Um, and then now, and then my wife comes home for lunch, boom, that's one dish I sold. And then now I do it again for supper. Um, boom, that one's, and so, you know, I, I, and then the next day, you know, I can do two more lunch and dinner, lunch and supper. And so just with that one cut, I can get four meals out of it. So makes my life a little bit easier, you know? And productive, you know, I'm actually getting paid to just be able to do it. Right. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> makes, makes it a little easier, but you got to get really creative too, because you don't want to serve the same thing. Um, over and over and over, over again. and over and over yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. The girls yeah. would get pretty sick of tacos and burgers all the time. Well, Lucia I... wouldn't Melissa. Melissa does not like tacos and burgers all the time. So, right. Yeah. No, my boys, if they have spaghetti, four nights out of the week they'd be happy as clams like oh, they just yeah they're finding that or tacos they yeah. they are in in that zone where they just they can eat that the over and over again we're actually getting to the point now uh well some weeks is one pound for all five of us and now that they're in wrestling and like yeah again like some days not a big deal but then other days they come home and they're like all right i am starving We'll pull two pounds out, and it's like even my youngest is like, "Can I get two more tacos?" Like you've already had three. Like holy <laughs> smokes, boy! Like we are we're in that moment now where we're uh, we're going to be feeding these boys. So you know, larger cuts are going to be be good for us. But I did like how you played out where it's it's kind of like a again understanding who your clientele is, understanding how you eat or your family eats or people that you're cutting for eat. Those pre-made packages are super convenient, but it does take the effort to put those on at the beginning versus where I may be saving some time at the processing end of it, but now 
along with a little bit of headache and a little bit of extra prep, it does leave me more options to go with. If I want to experiment with something, if I want to try something with a large piece that is specifically like, ooh, this would be really good for pastrami or this would be really good for X, Y, Z, that is how I can handle that. Um, You know, maybe finding a balance. Maybe that perfect thing is we find a balance here where I've got some pre-made where the wife isn't going to feel intimidated to pull that out and make that up. But granted, right now we've got 50 pounds of burger made up and those boys are all about it. So it's like, that's, I guess that's my pre-made right now (laughs) is just ground. And really the, the, the recipe ideas for ground venison, um, cause we got a whole bunch, um, you know, we just, we just did a big, a big grinding session too, um, just before Christmas. I mean, the, the amount of, um, just do ground. I I think a lot of people kind of pigeonhole themselves in, right? You, you just like. They think wild game, right? This is what I'm going to do. And that's why I think I just do what I do on the website. Um, you know, you look for just a burger, like a ground meat or ground burger, ground beef recipes. And there's a, there's a million of them out there and you can just substitute ground venison. You know, um, it doesn't just have to be chili, but like you, like chili is super popular and that's great. Um, venison spaghetti, you know, we, we just did one of those, um, recipes, but like, um, I just did like a, a stuffed cabbage soup, right. Cause it's, it's just ground, Ooh. ground beef. Right. But that like super popular that, that got picked up. Um, that's one of my top 10 recipes and it's like one of my latest ones, but like it just blew up. Um, uh, because you know, it's just, it's a, it's soup season, but also it's just one of those super easy things to do. Um, you know, I, yeah, there, there's all kinds of great, um, things that you can do with ground meat. So I think just when people think about, um, wild game, I just really, um, really encourage them to look out there and see, you know, sloppy Joe's, but just like Google ground beef recipes and like ideas and be like, whoa, that would that looks really good, right? You know, like there's some pretty cool ones on my website, but there's a lot of other great ones that I haven't even got to that people can find and, and should have fun experimenting with. Dry aged steaks used to be a steakhouse only indulgence. An old world charcuterie was pricey due to being imported or created at a small batch specific scale. Thanks to Umai Dry, their synthetic dry aging bags and cases allow you to create these meat crafting treats in your own kitchen. Working in tandem with your fridge, the Umai Dry bag material allows moisture and air to pass through, making it possible to dry age large cuts of steaks or roasts. Paired with their curing and seasoning kits, along with safe and easy to follow instructions, salamis and dry sausage are well within your grasp. Use the link in the show notes and sign up for the newsletter to receive 10% off your order. Umai Dry, helping us elevate our wild game from the home kitchen. I feel like casserole got a really bad rep right around the 2000s or like early 2000s. Like everybody was like, eh, oh, hum and casseroles. Yeah. But when you start, I'm, well, I'm a food mixer. I, if I, I take my Thanksgiving plate and it all ends up as one thing in the middle like I just love to put all that together so when I see a layered casserole now as an adult I'm like oh man like 
this is going to be really good. Or like even a shepherd's pie where I'm still getting that hardiness of like what a stew would be, but it's completely different realm, texture, feel, but it all uses the same ground meat. Like what a way to translate something from mundane into something that is exciting, something that is brand new on the table, but it still flexes on those same uh, flavors and same textures that we're used to. Yeah, we were over at my wife's cousin's last night, and they served up a pasta salad with ground beef. Like, and I was like, I've just never had this. And then, and then the kids were like breaking up Doritos over it, and then slathering Western dressing on it. And I'm like, okay, I've never seen this. <laughs> and I, and I just followed everybody else's lead, and and it was really good. Right. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this at home um, with some ground venison. Um, I don't even know what it's called, but it was just like literally like a pasta salad with like diced peppers and onion, um, some some ground beef. Um, and I'm like and like <laughs> and smashed like, up Doritos and smashed up Doritos <laughs> and then like Western dressing, like salad dressing. I'm like, this is delicious. Right. This It doesn't have to be fancy. It was just and everybody ate it. Kids, adults like. Yeah, toddlers on up. It was it was awesome. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah. So I've got a prep idea. I've seen it done with poultry, and I wanted to just run it past you. Maybe some tips, maybe some tricks, or maybe a uh, disclaimer of don't do that. Um, as I'm getting pieces of meat ready to go, I've seen where people have, or like you can get them at the store a pre-marinated either steak or piece of like I'm thinking per or uh, specifically uh an inside round or an eye round off of a deer where it's a more tubular shape where off of big deer one can feed two people or off a smaller deer like one whole muscle would be a serving uh but to take that and actually freeze it in a bag or seal it in a bag with a marinade already a marinade of of whatever choice that i wanted to make but at that point i'm marinating it in the ziploc bag and then putting it into the freezer for long storage to be pulled out later opened up and just like you said it's ready for the grill pan it's ready for the charcoal grill or whatever i want to go with it but to specifically find a couple muscle groups or steaks that I wanted pre-marinated with uh with a little bit of different seasoning to it. What do you think about that idea of pre-marinating into the 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 Ziploc or excuse me the the vac bag to then have that be an open as soon as it's thawed? Is that a good idea? Is that a bad idea? Yeah, you know what would you you emailed me this idea earlier today, right? And so I yeah. my wife was home for lunch and I mentioned it to her and I'm like, I don't know. And she goes, Hello, pork our favorite pork tenderloins, right? Those marinated pork tenderloins, you know, the mar, marinated pork loins that you get that we get at the grocery store that are um they're just super delicious. They've got different flavors like the mesquite and things like that. Um, those are some of the best things out there. Like there's Pretty rare occasion that I'm not eating wild game, um, but a rotisserie chicken and those oh, marinated man. pork, like and those crack. marinated, and those, mar drug. and those <laughs> marinated pork tenderloins. Um, yes. yes, 
we had a deal at our local grocery store because I still have a couple in the freezer. There was like buy one, get one free. It was a special on a Friday back in uh, October. And um, yeah, I made multiple trips to the store. Uh, so um, I'm trying, yeah, Nick, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this one. I think um, I've got a couple Eye of Browns in the freezer that I think would be perfect because they're right about, you know, they're right about that same similar size. Um, now the question is, how long are we marinating it? Um, are we putting it in the marinade and then are we going to vacuum, right? So we need vacuum seal it and then we're freezing it because then on the, on the tail end of that, as we thaw it out, right? It might take a couple days to thaw out in the fridge um, how is that going to go well on the meat? I think it depends on what we're choosing for marinade. I would definitely stay away from citrus, right? You know, things avoid, that, avoid citrus. Yeah. I mean, cause you know, anytime you're going to use citrus, like a, like a super high, like a, like a, a high acid, something like that. Um, you don't want to do long marinades, uh, with that. Um, you can just really end up with some mushy, situations so because uh, that's where i was kind of thinking about like well look if we break down a marinade it's it's an oil it's a it's an herb or you know it's a salt element yeah but then it's also got the acid in there you yeah. need those three to play together but like just like you said if we were to actually be too acidic would we be chemically cooking that <laughs> would we be mushing that up to the point of where you know, we, we go past what the desired tenderness was going to be. We're going to make it mushy. I think we just need to be, um, when we're thinking about the, it, it really depends on how long, once you take it out of the freezer and it sits in the fridge, how long is it sitting in there? Um, so I think maybe we'll put in the show notes. Everybody can, I'll, well, I'll give my shipping address and everybody can send me their eye of rounds. <laughs> And I will experiment. Um, and I will do my due diligence, right? We'll, we'll do like two days of marinade before you freeze it, then thaw yeah. it out. Yeah. Because um, your listeners, their happiness is my only concern. And so we... Oh, I, I hear that, folks. Yep. So I am going to do all this experiment. So you guys just send me all your eyebrows and... Um, <laughs> And then, but then I'll, I'm going to nail, you. I'm going to nail the recipe down. And then by next year, then you can keep yours. You can keep them, but then you, oh, I'll, okay. I'll have this down. But, um, yeah. Um, uh, Nick, I am ready to do this experiment. I'm just trying to figure out which cuts, um, which cuts I want to use. Um, yeah, yeah. Cause I, that's where I went with like the eye of round it's, it's not as it's a little more sturdy yeah. than say like a backstrap. I feel like we could ruin a backstrap by vac sealing it with a marinade and let the marinade go too long. Um, I guess then what we were talking like in the fridge. I know like with a piece of turkey, um, I'll use a a, bre a turkey breast, um, and I'll do for like a, a zesty Italian dressing. I'll give it like a thirty minute soak. If I go past 30 minutes, that piece of breast is already beginning to feel goopy and and lose its 
the structure. Like it, it's really falling apart at that point. You know, but I at the did same, the same time, thing. Yeah. No, go, you go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. But at the same time, like you get something like, like the thigh, the thigh will hold up a little bit longer to that a, because of the connective tissues and that, and that's off a, off a Turkey. Um, but then to translate that even into venison, like that eye of round is going to be a little more sturdy. And even if you go with a, even a little more worked muscle, you even look at the the bottom round off of that hind shoulder, or even shoot um, like a, a mid roast to have a marinated mid roast. I, I guess that 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 translation is also hard because I'm going to give that a low slow cook anyway. Um, but for on like the inside round or even on the bottom round, if I'm going to turn that into steak and to give it a jump start with a marinade, I'm at the butcher block. You know, we're cutting things up, but I happen to have that marinade made up, ready to go. I pour in, you know, whatever amount that you know, you're going to have to guess with that. You're going to have, again, through the experimentation, we're going to play with that. Yeah. Max seal that in, and it goes right into the freezer. And by giving it, like, how long would you normally marinate something? That comes into play after the thaw. But now as it's frozen, are we also... Is it still working at just a very slow rate? Like we've talked about aging at some points, like, you know, wet aging inside of a bag. That still happens, but just at a very, very slowed down rate. Is that still happening with the marinade then at that point? Yeah, and I think especially with um, when you're freezing certain ingredients, especially, you know, if you're like me, um you may be pulling out things out of your freezer that are two years old. Um, now, if you just marinated some meat and you put it in the freezer and some of those other ingredients are two years old, uh, you know, some things yeah. freeze well and some things don't. So if you're going to do this marinating situation and, and, and you you cross your heart and hope to die and that you're going to use this within the recommended, you know, three to four months. Um, then I think you're going to be okay. Um, I think just like, um, certain ingredients, um, and I'm just trying to think off the top of my head, but and I'm, nothing is, nothing is, is, is coming, but I, I just, I, I think it, we could, um, maybe not have a good situation. Uh, you know, if, if we're literally putting it in there for a year or, you know, or going way right. past that, you know, but I, I there think, is a shelf I, life yeah. even in the freezer because of the marinating aspect that, yeah. we're, that we're putting. Through. But let me tell you, I have no qualms about, <laughs> <laughs> um, if it's for myself, I have no qualms about pulling out a piece of meat that's been, Oh, Especially if it's antelope. I'm like, oh my God. And by the way, I have no antelope left. It's been too long since I've had a tech. Um, but uh, yeah, I, going through the freezer, I, I just pulled out some stuff. Now we're pretty much down to the last, everything's a year or less. Because um, mm -hmm. I just went through the freezer and, and wrote everything down and, um, and, 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 took, and figured that out. But so, yeah. Um, I'm willing to do this experiment if you are, and I think if we if we play around with it and see um, what are those different cuts and, and how that's going to go, um, and maybe we can maybe we can see what might be a happy medium and 
um, and come up with a recipe for the listeners, you know, I think, Absolutely. That, would be, I think that would be pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah. To put a bow on it, I am going to, I'm going to play my full deck. I'm going to play my cards here. Um, I'm going to go with a, that uh, eye of round and I want to go with a, an Asian style because what I want to be able to do is marinate it, pull it out and be my, my oldest has gotten big into ramen. He likes, he likes to make Robin. He, he he's cooking for himself. Like we're still in the basic level. Um, but he made me two fried eggs the other day and he was like, dad, you want any eggs? I'm like, yep. So I was getting up to go help him out. And he's like, no, no, go sit down. I'm going to do this. So there, my boy is cracking eggs. He is, you know, he's putting butter into a pan and he's, you know, dropping the egg and into there. I like runny eggs. And so I was like, you know what? It's, it can't be any, it, it's not going to be any less safe than, than me making it myself. So, Hey, that's, that's fine. But he brought me two eggs. And so I was like, Oh, this is so cool. And now he's getting into the ramen. Um, but now he wants to add the stuff into it. And so that's where we were like, Hey, let's get some, let's do some Venny in there. We'll slice that up. And so I was marinating it anyway. And so that's where I was like, Hmm, maybe I can take like an Asian, inspired maybe like a sesame sesame uh marinade or even uh shoot just something with soy sauce like hojin sauce like that that salty sweet aspect just a basic level and then put those away uh so that yeah it's literally like he wants to do it he can pull it out even at the age of nine he could pull that out and let that thaw out now he's gonna wait for dad to help him put the whole dish back together but at the same time like that's where my inspiration was going is like i need a quick super quick meal now i pull that right on out second element i know i said we were going to put a, a bow on this but now i'm bringing it back up because what if we wanted to do that with meat that we've already frozen i think you get a one and done on on something like that do you think i could thaw out a piece of something from the haunch a, a, uh, a round, the eye round, thaw it out, get it to the way I want it, you know, silver skin off, maybe even pre-cut it, get it back into a vac bag, in with the marinade, freeze it, and still come out with a satisfactory product? Or do I not even have that one-and-done aspect? Because, you know, once you get to two times, then you, you got the ice crystal, you got the leaching yeah. out, it's, it's, it's mush at that point. But can you get the one the one trial out of it. So you're asking, can I, you're thawing the meat out. Could you thaw out a piece of, so I, I've already yeah. frozen all my, yep. my quantity. Now you're taking Pull it out, out and then you're going to refreeze it, right? And then you're going to refreeze yeah. it in the mirror. I, you know, um, yeah, I don't, I don't see that again. I think it's just a matter of time. Um, like how long, are you letting, um, when you pull it out that first time, it, it doesn't mean you have to let it sit in the fridge, like really thought out, like for days, right? I think if you're doing that as, as soon as it gets um, where it's manageable. Where you can, yeah, where you yeah, can actually get the outside off. If the inside's still frozen. Right. But you can actually, like if you, as you're cutting steaks, you can get your blade through it. Right. I, I think that's where you're, I think that's where a lot of people, um, cause, cause I'll do the same thing, Nick. I'll, I'll, you know, I might end up with a, like a big piece. I'm like, okay, 
I'm not going to get to this. Um, you know, I changed my mind and I want to just use half of this bottom round for something. And now I want to refreeze the other one. Um, but I know that like as I'm pulling it out. And so literally as soon as I can slice through it and then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get that piece of meat back in the freezer. Um, and I think you could do the same situation, um, you know, as soon as it thaws out where it's going to, where it's going to take that marinade, um, you know, then, then you could do that. I think you could, you're safe to do it. I don't see any problem with it at all. So, but awesome. letting it sit and thaw out for four days in the fridge, you know, and then you're trying yeah. to refreeze it and then you're thawing it out for another three, four days. Now we're ended up, you know, um, now we're running into food safety issues, you know, but <laughs> it, although no one has ever died from that, right? We hear that all the time. <laughs> right. Nothing's right. ever been recalled, but at the same time, you can still screw something up pretty right. bad. Make yourself sick. Yeah. But no, I would, I, no, I don't see a problem with it at all. Awesome. Yeah. So there you go, folks. Now we can put the bow back on. We're going with Asian designed inside rounds that we are going to slice, add the marinade in, and I'm going with a basic uh, Asian marinade. Uh, it's going to be soy sauce, probably a little bit of honey because I'm going to want to get some sweetness in there, um, but stay right there in that, that Asian territory, seal it back up, put it into the freezer. When my boy's ready for ramen, we're going to pull that out, give that all a quick sear, and that's going to get dropped into those noodles. All right. So that's Nick, the game plan. Now, Nick, since you're doing that version, then I'm going to do something like more of like a mesquite, kind of a smoky version. Ooh, there you and go. Then, and then we can kind of compare on, on how that works. So I like this. So, yeah, to be continued on the final, but now we got people thinking about it. People are going to be wanting to see what we do with this. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's our food preparation. That's our meal planning that we're thinking of happening. Because shoot, man, uh, we put you put five deer in. I'm on the light side this year. I only put three deer in. Um, I got a big buck, uh, so I'm actually working with some really big pieces. Um, I'm saving those top rounds for jerky. I like really big uh, cross sections. I like to cut with the grain. I want to chew on that piece for 10, 15 minutes. So that's that's why I'm saving those. I want the big old paddles of jerky. Um, but then I got a doe during, uh, well, during firearm, during shotgun season, I got a doe. Uh, so I got my tender cuts. I got my my little portioned pieces that are going to be good. And then I've got, I got one off the side of the road. It was a fresh kill. And uh, that, was, uh, that was my bonus deer of the year. But nice. with that, with only having three animals in, I think that's going to help me actually clean out a bunch of meat that's been in there for the past year, the past two years. Um, like you were mentioning earlier, you got stuff that's in there maybe two, three years, and you want to start using that stuff up. This is what I'm going to use my lean year as, as a way to kind of just use up the stuff that I've been either saving back or ruffling around and clearing out a lot of that extra inventory. Yeah, no, that's always good to kind of go through it and, and like take an inventory. I think that's a big, that's a, a big thing too. And, and then I can, you know, and then for me, I can sit there and literally plan out the year. Um, you know, here's what I'm going to do for recipes. Cause I might have regular clients that I have to cook, you know, I have to do a recipe every month for them. Um, and so like, I can literally plan that out. Um, and then meal plan for, you know, for the family and here's, you know, here's what we're going to do. So I might knock out like, 
you know, I did two different soups today, right? So the girls and I are going to have leftover soup. Um, and then, um, like a couple days ago, I did a soup today. I did two soups. Um, you know, so it just kind of depends on, you know, but then we also have like fajitas mixed in. We have, um, you know, for, for, for taco Tuesday and stuff like that. But, you know, um, so it just trying to, trying to mix that up and, and, and meal plan and, and see how it works. But then I might think I have a plan on my head, you know, and then it's like, Absolutely. I'll see, I'll see something like something will pop up or, or I'll, I'll be with Lucia at the library. Um, cause she's eight. And so she's just devouring books. So we're at the library at least once a week. And then I'll wander over to the cookbook section and there'll be a new cookbook and I'll, I'll page through and it might be like Thai food or, or Vietnamese or, you know, um, something like that. I'm like, Oh, this, this looks cool. You know, I got to try this with venison or something like that. So, um, yeah, so try to do some meal planning. And I think my wife always appreciates that too. When I leave town and I'm going to be gone for a week with a client or, you know, um, doing a butchering or cooking class somewhere, um, you know, I kind of have everything laid out. You know, I'm thawing stuff out, kind of have an idea um, of what some cuts might be and some recipes, you know, because she likes certain things. Like I'll have some soup, you know, I've, I've, I've portioned it out, right? I, you know, I did a soup today, um, uh, ravioli soup, venison ravioli soup. And she was like, this would freeze really well, you know, minus the pasta. Right. Right. So do the broth with the meat, everything's cooked and ready to go. And literally all I have to do is heat it up, throw in the pasta and 10 minutes later I have supper. Um, you know, so, um, she, she kind of helps me think out those things because, you know, usually when I'm eating, it's not, there's not a lot of leftovers when there's, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm portioning it because I got to move on to the next recipe for the next client or for the next post on the website. So, but she, she likes those things in the freezer. So meal planning is great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you say we're working on some soups. Let's, let's finish out our conversation with breaking down, uh, a great soup or stew that, I mean, shoot, it is super cold outside. Not a lot of people are going places, having a pot of soup, just simmering on the stove. That needs to be in every household right now. That's going to get you through. Inspire us. What have you been working on? What is a soup that we need to, we need to all try? Um, you probably the, the, the best soups that you'll ever eat will be every soup that's on wildgameandfish.com, right? <laughs> There's my plug. <laughs> There's my plug oh, for the I website. You, I was going to give you a minute and no, he stole it in the show. <laughs> um, By no. the way, folks, links and uh, all the links will be in the show notes. Don't worry no. about trying to search all over to find it. We'll have that for you at the bottom. No, but anyway, no. continue no. on. Feel free to spend as much time on the website as possible. <laughs> um, yeah. No. Um, uh Let's see. So the one right I did right after New Year's that that stuffed cabbage soup. Um, it's if you have a pound of, of venison in your freezer, just ground venison. Uh, that's a great one. Um, it's just that you know it's it's really interesting. And I I was inspired by that because like cabbage soup. Um, are really po- the cabbage soup diet 
for New Year's. That's actually a super popular thing. That's why I kind of that's why I time that recipe um, for right around New Year's because people are are searching on Google for cabbage soup recipes because it's actually a weight loss um, uh, because it's it's filling but it's low in calories, and so that's why yeah. I, I kind of went with that. Um, so there's that one. If you like cabbage rolls, um, it's basically that and put it in a soup because cabbage rolls can take some time to assemble. And so that's why I, I went with the soup version. Um, there's a, a grouse and wild rice soup that's to die for. Um, I actually made that. I had come back, not this last year, but the year before. Um, I got stuck in Bismarck. We got like in the middle of a blizzard for three days coming back from deer opener. And I had some some Sharpies, some sharp-tailed grouse. Um, and so I was like literally forced to come up with something for food um, at my at my brother-in-law and sister-in-law. Uh, they have a flower farm there in Mandan, North Dakota, um, right next to, next to Bismarck. And so I was like, she had wild rice in her cupboard. Um, and so I had these grouse. And so I came up with that one. And, and they... You know it's a hit when your sister-in-law goes back for thirds. Yes. <laughs> then you're like, yes. Okay. Um, so that one is a super popular one. That's a great um, that's a great one too. I've got a for tortilla soups, I've got a rabbit tortilla soup. Um Oh good, good. I have a yeah. rabbit. I, I just kong feed it. Um okay. So I, I've taken an extra step. I really wanted it to be soft, velvety. And so I went with a, an olive oil confit in a Ziploc bag, or not a Ziploc, but a vac bag, yeah. sous vide style. So, but anyway, it's real tender and I've just kept it inside that olive oil fat. Um, but man, to translate that into a soup would be awesome. Yeah. I've actually got, I've got my last rabbit out of my freezer. We were talking about, you know, going through the freezer and taking, <laughs> and I was like, oh, there's a rabbit left. Um, so I actually have that one out. I'm, um, I'm going to be playing around with that um, and doing a couple recipes here tomorrow uh, with the rabbit. So we'll see what comes out of that. But um, yeah, by the time this airs, there'll be a, a venison ravioli soup. Um, so with that one, it was super, super easy. You're literally like browning ground venison, like a pound of ground venison with some onion and then add some minced garlic, dump a can of crushed tomatoes, um, one of those containers of beef broth you can buy at the store, um, that have exactly four cups, dump that in there, some oregano, dried oregano, dried basil, um, and, um, and then like bring that to a boil, lower it to a simmer and then add the refrigerated ravioli, like that cheese ravioli. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And just dump that in there. And so that's that soup that Melissa was talking about. She was like, this would be a perfect soup for meal prep. So you can make the soup, the broth um, in advance and then freeze it. And then your family, you were, you know, on a, on a, on a week night, but um, that all came together in 25 minutes from start to finish. I mean, nice. like the whole soup. Um, yeah, that's like throwing the pasta because that refrigerated pasta literally takes three to four minutes for it to cook. You just dump it in that in that simmering broth. Um, I was to say you don't even have to do the it on the side and then pour it done and have it to you know incorporate it. Just well, yeah. take it frozen straight through in into the into the simmering yeah. um, 
soup that you already have going with that. Yeah, so you can use dry thing. pasta. You, I mean, you could just you could use penne pasta. You could throw that in there too if you wanted. Um, if you don't want to, um, I went with the refrigerated pasta because it was on sale today at the grocery store. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is like way cheaper than it normally is. And so I went ahead and I was like, oh, I can get a couple recipes. Pick that up, the fresh pasta. Yeah. Yes. So that's a super good one if you like. Just if you want to do something just other than your basic tomato soup and you want to add some wild game to it. Um, yeah, that one will be out next week. So that one would definitely be beautiful to try out too. Yeah. Excellent. Well, he'll have the, uh, we'll put the link in there. I'll, we'll search that up and we'll have the link for, uh, venison tortilla soup. Venison I ravioli, what, I got ravioli soup. Or ravioli soup. Yeah, yeah, Excuse yeah. me. Not tortilla. But tortilla. Yeah. The ravioli soup. Or the rabbit tortilla. Yeah. Rabbit tortilla soup. Venison ravioli soup. Yeah, you got it. I love it. We'll put those links in the show notes so folks can search that up and get that started. I got a pot of chili that I need to finish uh, before that, but I'm not afraid of leftovers like you. I can eat chili for the next week, and then I'll just be prepared for uh, the the uh, ravioli soup that I'm going to do the week after. So, hey, we're meal prepping That's as right. we're doing the show. That's right. <laughs> well, we've mentioned it just a, a couple times, Jeff. Where can my listeners find out more about you? You've got the website. Um, where can we find and interact with you on social media? How can we, uh, how can we look more up uh, about you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. It's at Wild Game and Fish. Um, a lot of people um, also find, you know, on Pinterest, um, if you have one of those people who are looking for recipes, um, and they're finding a lot of them on Pinterest, which a lot of people do. That's a uh, wild game and fish chef. Um, and then, or you can f- go on the website. Um, all the recipes are there. You can, um, uh, they're all free. You can subscribe to the, the weekly newsletter where you're getting a, fr- a brand new recipe every single week. So it might be pheasant this week. It might be venison the next week. It might be fish the next week. Um, but all those recipes are free and that is at wildgameandfish.com. Well, Jeff, this has been awesome to get, just to get a chance to, um, talk with you. I know it's been a while since we've talked, so it's been great to do that. And man, I think we got people, uh, a load to chew on, whether it's going to be planning out stuff or whether it's going to be, um, making some soup because yeah, it's cold out here. So I'm going to have you hold on, and I'm going to send the listeners on out. Folks, we got a lot here to talk about. we got a lot here to think about. I mean, we went through the process of butchering our own animals, and maybe we took the shortcut, and we have the whole pieces that we're now having to, you know, be creative on the backside. Maybe we help ourselves out, and we think a little bit forward. Maybe we do a marinade, and we freeze some whole muscle with a marinade in a bag, and then use that in the next you know, two to three months. Don't let it die in there. But at the same time, that's getting us to be able to think outside the box. That's helping us look forward to when we're using our hard-earned harvest. We put so much effort into bringing that animal down. Let's give the same amount of effort to as we're bringing it back to life in a dish. And yeah, with it being as cold as it is, making a ravioli soup out of venison uh, sounds absolutely delightful. So whether it's you going to be actually thawing out some meat and having to cut it up into steaks to marinade, or it's cutting cabbage for a nice cabbage soup that you're going to add some venison into, whatever you're doing, 
make sure that knife that you are using is very sharp.